Hey, Connection Point Church, I am so excited that you are here with us online, and it is going to be a great Sunday to be here because we are starting a new series, and I am so excited about it. And I'm going to start off with an existential question for you, and the question is, what's the point? Or as my 14-year-old son would say, why? Okay, and so... That he, he says that, by the way, to any question such as, why should you clean your room? It becomes existential. Why? And so today, we're going to be diving into this series. We're going to be diving into a question that every single person has asked in some form for the last who knows however many years. And that is, what is the point in life? Why are we here? What is the point? And in fact, I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm thankful for y'all joining us online and, and responding online, and so I'm going to, to throw this existential big meaning question out to you, and we are going to give away three of the best gifts we've ever given out. I have a studio audience today, by the way, so if you see me, yeah, there we go. Now, um, I want you to tell me what you think, and this doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to overthink this, but what, what do you think is your meaning in life? What is your point of you being here. It could be whatever it is, uh, but I'm going to give away three prizes, and I'm going to tell you I'm giving away gift certificates to Texas Roadhouse. The top one is going to be $50, okay? So it's worth responding today. This isn't just a pizza. This is going to be worth responding. So I'm glad that uh, y'all are on here. I'm going to encourage y'all, though, to interact with me and be on here. So what is your, your meaning in life? Why are you here, because that's really what we're going to dive into today. Now, for me, I'll just tell you that my meaning, and when I answer that question, what is the meaning of life? I've searched for that a lot in my life. I've been through times where I thought, you know, my meaning in life is to be the best I can be at a certain thing, a best basketball player when I was in high school, and that did not go well for me. The best at a lot of different things. And I've said, if I could just do that, then I, I kind of have this idea I would have meaning in life if I could be the best. I've gone through seasons of my kids. When you, you first have your kid and you're like, you know, my, my, my life is all about just being the best father. And that, that seems like, man, that seems like the greatest pursuit. But one of the things that you just begin to find in life is even the things that seem to, to be full of meaning in one season, you know these things don't last forever. And, and maybe you're going to go the church answer. I haven't seen uh, all of your answers yet. Remember, we're a little bit uh, ahead, but maybe your answer is going to be the, the churchy answer, and that's okay because, uh, you know, we're in church, so you're going to give the churchy answer. But maybe you're going to say, you know what, you got to love God, which means you got to go to church, you've got to uh, give a little money or something like that. What I'm excited about this series today is because we're going to go through a book of the Bible, and this book of the Bible says, you know what, I've tried all that. I've tried being the best. I've tried uh, putting my life into my kids, into my wife, into my relationships, into my job. I've even, you know, gone to church. I've even given money to the church and all of this. I've done all of that, and I still feel empty. Now what? In fact, I'm going to give you a warning. This book that we're going is, in many ways, it's a great book if you don't know the Bible very, if you're new to the Bible, because we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, you don't have to know all about the Exodus. You don't have to know all about the, the nuances of the Bible because it is written to human beings, which is pretty much all of us, okay? It is written to anyone who's ever wondered, why am I here? But the problem with this book is that for those of us that aren't as familiar with the Bible, 
It, it seems to make sense. I've thought that. I've been there. I, I, you know, I'm, that's, what I, that's what I think. But for those of us that are Christ followers, for those of us that, that study the Bible or believe the Bible is God's truth, it's always there, Ecclesiastes is going to take us to some places that you may not think you can think in church. In fact, if you ever had that thought, you know what, am I allowed to think that in church? Am I allowed? I'm a, can I still be a Christian and think that? Because that's what Ecclesiastes is going to do for us. And I want to give you a warning. As we go through this book, it is going to be a journey to try to make you feel things. And it is not a book that is written to tell you that these shalt, the thou shalt, and the thou shalt nots. It's not going to tell you, hey, if you do this, it's, it's sinful, it's evil, you should uh, not do that. It's not going to tell you you're going to hell if you do this. And sometimes it makes us uncomfortable as Christians. In fact, I've heard a lot of people say this book must have been written by an unbeliever. And I, I firmly disagree with that. I think this is one of the most inspired. In fact, Rabbi Hillel, who was a, a teacher that was before Jesus, he said, this is the most inspired of all books. You should wash your hands before you touch the pages of this book. Now, as we go through this, though, this is about meaning, not morals. So you've got to understand, you've got to kind of let go the question of this book. This book is not leading us to, this is how you should live. Instead, it's kind of a, a, a more important question, and that is, what is life about? What is the meaning of life? In the book Moby Dick, uh, the, the narrator of that book says that Ecclesiastes is the truest of all books. And I'll tell you, it's my favorite book, and it's certainly my favorite book on purpose. Sorry, Rick Warren, but this is the best book you'll ever read on purpose, on meaning of life, okay? And so no matter where you are in your journey in life, this is the book I would tell you that will point you to finding meaning. So if you are young, you are going to sometimes feel like life is a quest. And like you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to find your meaning. Some of us have been through that. And one of the things Ecclesiastes is going to do is it's going to save you so much heartache, so much time, so much hurt, if you'll just listen to the lesson of somebody who's been on the quest you're about to go on. But then some of us are older and we uh, are getting older. We're not old, we're getting older. But some of us, you know, we kind of look around and said, you know, I've done this or I've been there and I've seen these things, but, but it's... Is that all? Is the best behind me? And if it is, if the best is behind me, what does it really matter? What did it, what did it come to? And we just have these crises that come through. Some of us think that happiness or meaning is always in the next thing. You know, if I just could have this relationship, if I could just get to the next season of life, if I could just get that shiny thing, then I would be happy. Then it would all tie together. And we, we go on this quest to just find that one thing that's going to tie everything together. And Ecclesiastes is going to help us move through all of these searching. And it's going to reveal to you, if there's any book that's ever given you the meaning of life, you're going to find it in this book. Now that I've built it up, I want to just tell you, here's the big idea for the next few weeks as we go through this series. Okay, the big idea is this. We are here for a limited time only. Let's not waste it on things that don't matter. You're here for a limited time only. Okay, so just so you know, as we go through this, I'm about to get into the text, but I want you to know that you, you have so many resources available to help you go over the next few weeks. So we're going to do several things. Um, right now, somebody's going to put up 
uh, some links that we're going to go through. We have for you a study guide. I've printed out the first page. Joey has helped me design the study guide. And you can download that on the sermon notes page at connectionpoint.life. You can go through, and it has uh, some of my thoughts on Ecclesiastes. It's got uh, small group questions for your small group. It's got a kind of an overview of some of the main ideas. So you've got this study, study guide you can, uh, you can use throughout. We also have a reading plan we're going to start tomorrow for those of you that want to get on the Bible app and read through Ecclesiastes to start off this journey. It's going to take 14 days, but the exciting thing about reading through the Bible together is if you do it with us and you click, hey, I want to be on that, and you sign up, and I think they're going to put that link out there pretty soon. As you see that link and you sign up, Every morning when you read your Bible, you can type in your notes and somebody else is going to see your notes too. And you can encourage people or be encouraged as we read through the Bible together. And there are only uh, limited spots on that. So I want to encourage y'all to jump in that. Um, but I'm excited about us going on this journey through Ecclesiastes together. And I think you're going to love this book as much as I do. But the last thing I want to challenge you is this. I've, I don't think I've ever done this. I want to challenge y'all to get a paper Bible, Okay. Now, I know that some of you are like, what's a paper? But what is paper, right? Now, there are these things called paper, but what I want you to do, and you can do this online, by the way, you can do this, um, but I want to encourage you to have a Bible, a pen, and some highlighters, because each week I'm going to give you at least one or two what I call keys or words that I'm going to want you to highlight. You can do this online on the Bible app, I know that, um, but I'm going to give you a key, and I want you to highlight each key in a different uh, color because as you, and I want you to highlight them throughout the entire book. So today I'm going to give you two keys and I want you to sometime this week go through the entire book and highlight these right in your Bible. That's okay. God has given me permission to give you permission. And so we have done that. You can write in your Bible. You can take notes in your Bible. That is actually okay. But I really want you to have, to have the confidence as we move through this book of, you know what? I know, I understand what this book is about because we're going to start going through some books of the Bible and I want to give you the confidence to know, hey, I know how to read this book. I know uh, enough about this. And so let's dive in. We're going to have a great time in this book. Uh, I'm, going to just, I'm going to give us a little word of prayer just to uh, invite the Lord in on this study as we begin. So let's pray real quick. Lord, I thank you that you have brought this book to us at this time. I thank you for the thousands of years that this book has been in existence and has given meaning and purpose to those who have sought it. And Lord, I pray for all of us today who maybe we're just going through a time in life where we're like, man, what, what is the reason for this struggle? What is the reason, the purpose of this? Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes to some of the greatest wisdom you've ever given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be in uh, starting uh, chapter one, verse one of Ecclesiastes, and and by the way, Cindy, this is homework in church. I I don't apologize that for all because some of us need homework sometimes. So I see your comments there, and I thank y'all for those. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Now, as we go through this book, I'm just going to bring the context out as we go through it, and so I want to start off with who wrote this book. Over the, the uh, thousands of years that Christians and, and Jewish scholars have talked about this book, they've always, or most of them will say, Solomon is the author of this book. This is one of the few times that I disagree with most of Christian tradition. I do not think Solomon is the author of the book. In fact, I think that the author of this book is pretty clear. Uh, in verse 1, it's talking about Solomon. We have a narrator in this book who, if you read this book, 
in chapter 1 and in chapter 12, the bookends, the, the first and last chapters of this book, the tense, the person changes, and it's talking about Solomon for the rest of the book, but you have this narrator. And so uh, it's pretty clearly edited. Uh, it's pretty clear that this book was edited later and that somebody else wrote this book. Now, I personally believe, for some boring reasons, I'm not going to um, list to you, but some of them are some of the language that's used, some of the uh, nuances there. But I believe that this book was written after the fall of Jerusalem in 586. And so I think this book was actually written about 500 years after Solomon's reign. But I do think that Solomon is important to this book. Solomon is clearly who the author is talking about. He says, son of David, king in Jerusalem. That is Solomon. That is who he's talking about, the historical Solomon. He, we know he reigned about 930 or 970 BC through about 930 was Solomon's reign. Solomon was a historical figure. He was the richest man alive at his time. He was the wisest man alive at his time. He did more things than anyone else in his time. And for the 500 years after that in Jewish, Solomon's the ones they pointed to that did everything. And I think that uh, it's important to know that this is sometimes how this genre of literature works, is that they will pick out a character who's the hyperbole. Job is another book like this, where they pick out a character who goes through things you can't imagine. Now, Job does it on the suffering side. Solomon is on the other side. He's on the success side. And so you've got this character that is intentionally bringing to mind the most wise, the most Rich, if that's the way you would say that, the richest is another way that some of us linguists say that. Now, what he's saying is basically, uh, he's going to use this word Solomon, but he, the readers at the time of this book would think about this art archetype, this who's the richest man I've ever thought of. That, that's only Solomon. That's all it could be. And the reason this is important is because if we go through this book, you're going to be tempted to say, you know what, I think if I had a little more, if I could just get a little more, you know what, if I just accomplished a little more, some of us in our search for meaning think that if we could just get a little more, okay, then I would have meaning, then I would find out what it's all about. If I could just get to that next season. And the thing that I love about choosing Solomon as the character, as the archetype to follow, is that you've got a man who you cannot say, if I had a little more, because this man had it all, and no one has ever had more or could have had more. And you're going to see this. You think about building or planting a garden, Solomon's going to plant a forest. He's always going to do more than you can imagine, okay? And so, as we go through this, understand it's going to refer to this main character as the preacher. The word in Hebrew is koheleth. Y'all, let's say that out loud. Koheleth. All right, you know. The preacher, okay, or the gatherer, that's what that actually means. But every time you see that word preacher or gatherer, I want you to think of King Solomon who has everything that you could ever dream about, okay? So that's, uh, that's who wrote it, I think. That's kind of the, the background. Now let's get into some of the keys. Let's get to the first key to unlock this book, and it is a Hebrew word. We're going to get some Hebrew words today called hevel. So let's say hevel out loud. Hevel. Now, sometimes this Hebrew word is hebel uh, with a B, but we're going to use it with a V. Let's read verse 2. It says this, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, the Koheleth. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Uh, verse 3, I'll go ahead and say that. What, is the, uh, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Now, the first key is this word vanity. I want you to choose a color. Highlight your Bible um, of this word. 
uh, vanity because it's, it's hevel in Hebrew. Now, some translations will say other things. They'll say emptiness or meaninglessness. And the reason that we use vanity here, that this version has chosen, because he'll say vanity of vanities, and if you try to say meaninglessness of meaninglessnesses, it's kind of hard, right? And so understand that the word he's going for is emptiness, okay? But it's even better than that, because there's a picture I want you to have of this word hevel. Because he's not saying meaning or empty like it's not there, like it's not worth it or it's bad. Instead, I want you to think of this word as smoke or mist, okay? I want you to think of smoke or mist. Now think of it this way. When you see smoke like this, all of a sudden it gets hazy. You're like, where's Joel, okay? That's what he said. Whenever he says that word emptiness or vanity of vanities, he's thinking it's like smoke. Now what is smoke like? What is mist like? If I try to grab it, it's not there. And what he's going to say is that life is like Mist or smoke. We spend our whole life going after a lot of things that are not there. It's not good or bad. It's just not there. It's a mist. It's a smoke. Sometimes they'll say it's like hurting the smoke. Now, as we go through this, there's a principle that I've made up called the principle of Hevel, okay? Just to kind of put this in a clean word for you. The principle of Hevel. Hevel. I made this up, so don't look it up on the internet. If you do find it, it's probably not this one, okay? I got this from Romans 125, okay? Romans 125, it says, and I would say this is the principle of Hevel. It's anytime you are exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Anytime that you are worshiping or serving the created rather than the creator. So this idea of Hevel is this. If we spend our whole life going after things that are not real. So you may say, you know what? My life is all about my job. I'm going to put all my meaning. I'll find meaning if I can succeed in my job. And what Solomon's going to take us on a journey that says, you know what? You can do that. You can spend your whole lifetime trying to grab the wind, trying to grab this smoke, but it is hevel. You will find out it is not there. It is hevel. And he's going to say, you can go after your, your meaning in your kids. You can go after meaning in your, your business or in your relationships or whatever it is. But you're going to find out it is all hevel. The second key that I want you to underline is the phrase under the sun. And I'm going to talk about this at the end. But I at least want you to go ahead and highlight that in a different color in your Bible. Okay, now we're going to go through this. Uh, the next uh, few verses, about 11 verses, and there's this poem, and it's got these themes that are going to come up over and over again. And I want to just point this out. This is going to be obvious as we go through. This is the most depressing five points I've ever had in a sermon, okay? And they get worse as they go, okay? Here's the reason why that's important. Solomon is intentionally trying to make you feel something. Now, if you're a Christian, you're going to feel uncomfortable because you're going to be like, wait a second. No, 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 no. I'm a Christian. I love God. God's supposed to bless me. It's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be good. If you're a non-Christian or if maybe you're somebody new to the Bible, you're going to be like, yeah, what's everybody? That's a big deal. That's what life is like. This is how I feel a lot. And so I want to give you permission as a Christian. You can feel this because Solomon's going to say, this is what life looks like to me. This is what it feels like to me. Maybe as we go through this, you uh, will uh, be able to just comment and say, you know what? I feel like that sometimes. Okay, so the first theme that we're going to find is theme number one is time relentlessly marches on. Time relentlessly marches on. 
He says, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and it hastens to the place where it rises. I love the fact that he says that a generation goes and a generation comes. Because if he said a generation comes and goes, it's kind of like, oh, you've got this life and you know, you've got this time. But he doesn't. He says, you're here and listen, whatever you think you're going to uh, create or whatever you think you're going to do, you're going to go away and somebody's going to come in and they're going to replace you. You are going to be replaced because time is relentless. It is not going to stop. Does that make y'all feel good? We're good? Now, it reminds me of something C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis he was talking about how life is relentless going on, and he compared life to kind of going to the dentist and having to sit in the dentist chair. This is what he said. He said, it really doesn't matter whether you grip the arms of the dentist chair or you just let your hands lie in your lap. The drill drills on. In other words, you can take whatever perspective you want, but it's not stopping the drill. It's not, life is not stopping for us. Right now, we've got people right now saying, hey, we're going to change. They did it wrong. We're going to change and we're going to make it. And what they don't realize is the generation before them said the same thing. The generation before them said the same thing. This is something that is over and over again. All right. Theme number two, life is random. Life is random. Random. He says the wind blows to the south and it goes around to the north. Around and around the wind goes the wind, and on its circuit the wind returns. How many of you have ever had someone, maybe in a dark time, has said to you, you know what, everything happens for a reason? And as sometimes as a Christian, we're like, you know what, I know it happens for a reason. But it's something that you know, there's no reason to this. I, you know, that person left. There was no good reason. God didn't, it doesn't make, God wouldn't just do that. Or you lost somebody. God, it's, it's, it just seems random. Solomon's pointing this out. And sometimes as Christians, we don't like to admit this, but Solomon disagrees with the idea that everything happens for a reason. Now, I believe most things happen for a reason, but sometimes life happens and we, we, we get hit in the face with it. You can do everything right and still fail. And that's something we need to understand. I went to the doctor uh, a few weeks ago. I told y'all about this. I got a heart scan and he said this. He said, listen, you didn't eat your way to this. He said, you just, your heart is not as healthy as other people's. It's just the way it is. I've seen people pour their life into their kids and life into to raising their kids in a godly home and all these things. And their kids still leave. Their kids still go, um, go astray. They did everything that they could. Sometimes life is random. And this, this bugged Solomon. And one of the things I want us to feel is, yeah, sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes it hits us and it just can sink in with us. Now, by the way, I love that y'all are commenting on the smoke effects because it was a huge hit in studio. They loved it, okay? Now, the third one, and we're getting, again, they get heavier and heavier. Life is futile. Life is Futile. He says, all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. How many of you have showed up at work one day and there's a stack of papers this big and you work through all those papers and the next day what happens? You show up and there's a stack this big. How many of you have uh, done the laundry and you did all the laundry, you put it away, got the house clean, and then the next day you wake up and you're like, where did this tornado come from? What in the world? And you have to do it again. How many of you have mowed the lawn? You mow the lawn and you're, you're thinking to yourself the whole time, I just got to do this again next week. This is, this is futile. It's never, I'm never getting ahead. I'm never getting, it's like the life of Sisyphus. I never get anything. It just seems like it's just going on and on. 
that leads into the next theme, which is even more pleasant. Life is exhausting. It is never enough. You're going to see this throughout this book. He's going to make us feel, you know, it's just exhausting. This might be, uh, for some of y'all, the verse of 2020. It says, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter. If you are a, a, a lady, you have permission to change that to a girl cannot utter. Okay? Because sometimes it just seems like this is just weary. He says, all uh, the eye has all the eye has seen is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Here is a thing of which it was said, see, this is new. It has already been done in the ages before us. And what he's saying is this. Listen, we all have this idea that if I could just do this, I could get ahead a little bit. And so we work, work, work hard for that. And then we get that. And what does it feel like? It feels like heaven. It feels like I got, I, I got what I thought I wanted. And I opened my hand and it wasn't there. And it just seems exhausting. We get into this pandemic and some of us before the pandemic were thinking, you know what, if I could just get out of the rat race, if I could just get slowed down or just get my routine changed. And then all of a sudden now we're here and we're like, you know what, if I could just get out of this pandemic and get back to the life I used to have. And we think if I could just get it and we find out there's so much of the things we chase are hevel. It's just not there. You know, I have this great idea. I have this great thing. If I could just get that new set of golf clubs or that new car, whatever. Sometimes it's, it's silly things. And we think if I could just get that, I would be happy. I would be joyful. If I could just get that new relationship or a relationship, or if I could just fix the one I'm in, if I could just get there, it would make sense. And it's exhausting because even if we get there, it seems like it is hevel. hevel. Are y'all ready for the fifth one? This is the, uh, the coup de gras here is uh, death is inevitable. Death is, let's give a big cheer for it. Death is inevitable. Trying to, uh, yeah. This is one of the things that every person has, has felt, I think. Verse 11, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be after those who come. Let me cheer you up. John Williams is back there. I'm looking at him. John, no one is going to remember you after, after you're gone, okay? Just the way it is, okay? Now, your kids will remember you, and their kids will, but then after that, I want to ask you all a question. Who here remembers, can tell me the name of your great, 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 great grandfather? Who? No one. No one. Great, great, great. Yeah. It's probably, you can make it up, but you don't know it, okay? And here's the thing, your grandkids' grandkids are not going to remember you just like you don't remember your grandkids or your grandfather's grandfather. It's just the way it is. He's gone. Think about this. Who won the Super Bowl MVP seven years ago? Go ahead, right now. Now, one of you nerds might know it, you football nerds, but if you play fantasy football, you might know it. But most of us, even if we like football, can't remember that, right? Because it's Hevel. You can't remember who, that, who invented the pizza. Anybody know? One of the greatest inventions ever made, and we don't even know. We forgot. We don't even know. Here's the point that Solomon's making. You're going to spend your whole life. Papa John did not make pizza. He did not invent it. I don't think he did. You're going to spend your whole life trying to make your mark on this world, thinking that you're changing everything, and you're going to find even that was hevel because death is inevitable. You feel that weight? That lack of joy, that what are we doing here in church? Well, I want to unlock this with the next key. The next key is the phrase, under the sun. We mentioned it earlier, and I want you to go through this entire book, and I want you to highlight it. I highlighted mine in yellow. 
He says, I, the preacher, have been king over Jerusalem, uh, over Israel and Jerusalem. I've applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom by all that is done under heaven. There it is. You can underline that. Um, Under heaven, under the sun, same thing. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And he says, behold, what it is hevel. Everything under the sun is hevel. It is not real. And so when we see this word under the sun, it should bring, okay, everything under the sun is hevel. And when he says under the sun, he literally means everything on earth, everything that is not God. He says, I'm going to go on this journey without God. I'm going to pursue every bit of meaning and purpose I can find, and I'm going to take you along with me, and I'm going to do it under the sun. I'm not going to mention God, and we're going to see what happens when I find, when I go and try to do everything. He says, I'm going to do good stuff, bad stuff. I'm going to do everything I can. He sums up, I think, this whole chase that we go on in verse 15. He says, what is crooked cannot be made straight. That is, hey, it cannot be fixed, which you're going to try to do. You're going to try to find meaning under the sun. It cannot be fixed. You cannot. And then he says, what is lacking cannot be counted. What he is saying is, listen, if it is not there, you can't count it. You cannot find something that isn't there. And you are going to search for meaning under the sun, and you will never find it. Here's the journey he invites us on. I said in my heart, I have acquired wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has, with great experience and wisdom and knowledge, I have applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and to know folly. I perceived that this is also what a striving for the wind. It is hevel. For in much wisdom there is vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Here's the journey he's inviting us on for the whole series. He's saying this. He's saying, listen, you can take God out of the equation. You can, you can say it's all about this relationship. It's all about my kids. And we're going to go on and we're going to see where that takes us. Let's take God out of the equation and let's say, I want to just follow my passions. And that's what life's going to be about for me. It's going to be following my passions. It's going to be about me becoming the greatest and the best and doing everything I've ever wanted to do. He says, okay, I'm going to try this for you. I'm going, to, I'm going to be silly. I'm going to do stupid things, he says. And he says, I'm going to do wise things. I'm going to do great things. And we're going to see where if I do this under the sun, if I do this with no consideration of God, we're going to see where it lands. And he's already telling you, he's already unlocking it for you. He's telling you, it is going to be hevel. We will find that no matter how much. Now, you may be saying, well, where does this lead us as Christians or as, as people trying to pursue God? And I, I want us to know this. Reading this book should give you a longing. It should give your heart and just a heaviness of, is this it? I once saw a quote where Tom Brady had just won his fourth Super Bowl, and they asked him afterwards, and his quote was, I just look around and I say, is this it? Is this it? All these rings? Is that it? Some of us are going to go through this book, and you're going to say, you know what? I felt that. I felt that. I felt that. And it's going to put a heaviness on you. But the thing I want to give you hope is that this longing is intentional. You're supposed to read this book and say, you know what? Man, I die and no one remembers me. You know, it's futile. I can do everything right. I can save my money, manage it well, and somebody still steals it, or it's still the stock market crash. It still goes away. I can work all day trying to get ahead, and I get that thing I always wanted, and and, and it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. I thought I would be happy. This book is going to take us to a place where you just long so much that you decide to quit looking under heaven, 
and it's going to make us long for eternity. I want eternity. I don't want, I don't want just for myself to exist in the memories for two generations and then my grandkids, grandkids don't know me. I want eternity. And he, Solomon is going to take us there. We're going to long for that. So I want to close us just with a taste of where we're going in this series. In John 3.31, this is what Jesus said about himself. The one who comes from above, that is above the sun. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. He speaks as one from the earth. He, he, he only knows about heaven. But the one who comes from heaven is above all. Jump to 35. He says this. He says, the father loves the son and he has placed everything in his hands. Jesus, who comes from above and entered into this world, everything was placed in his hand. He says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath will remain. In other words, when Jesus came into this world, he brought heaven under the Son. He brought God to us. He brought that meaning and purpose. He brought all of that to us. And so if there's any way to start this book, I'm telling you it would be to trust Jesus. And to even if you've been following Jesus, and you haven't dove in because you've been pursuing this or you've been put, and trying to make money at your job and that's been your sole focus, my encouragement to you is this. If you want to get to the end of your life and realize the journey is just beginning, you've got to look above the sun. And that's my hope for this series as we read tomorrow. That's my, my hope for this series is that we can pull this together and that we can quit just living life under the sun. And you're going to find the heaviness of Ecclesiastes becomes a lot lighter when you understand and unlock these keys. Now, before I, I go, I want to just um, say thank you all to, to mentioning these. And uh, Wendy's great-great-great-grandfather was Isaac Webb, she said. So one person, and that proves my point, only one person in the whole world knows, and it's Wendy. Uh, so that's good. Um, uh, a couple of y'all, uh, I love this book. Um, that's where I want us to go. And if y'all looked it up and y'all looked on Google, that's great that you can answer my questions. I don't believe you actually knew these things. Here's what I want us to know. As we go through this together and I want us to interact, I want you to be commenting. I want us to go through this journey together because that's what I think Solomon wants, okay? You will never find meaning under the sun if you put your faith in things under the sun. You will never find meaning under the sun until you put your faith in something above the sun. But when you do, when you put your faith in the creator and not the created, when you put your faith in he who is above the sun, all of a sudden you're going to find meaning in everything under the sun. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for this book, which so many of us have read and misunderstood at points in our life. But Lord, I thank you for this moment and time in which as a church we get to go through this together and we get to have our questions answered by asking each other and sharpening each other. Lord, I pray for tomorrow when we read this book and we just kind of feel the weightiness of some of these themes that we don't want to talk about or as Christians we pretend sometimes that they don't exist we pretend if we just, you know, say our prayers and if we just give some money to the church or go to church and just be a good person that everything always works out. But we know on this life under the sun, it just doesn't seem to make sense unless there's more. 
So Lord, as we long and as we go through this book, I pray that our longing for you will grow. I pray that it'll draw us to Jesus in a new way, to you in a new way, and our hope and excitement in, in who you are will become so passionate that it brings a passion and a meaning to everything we do. And Lord, if I pray right now for those that maybe aren't watching this right now. I pray for all of the people who aren't hearing this message but need to hear it. Lord, I pray that everyone right now that says, you know what, I have a friend and they're searching for themselves and I see it and I hurt with them, but I want them to, to find what I've found. Lord, I pray you'll give us a boldness this week to go out and to say, you know what, I think you need to watch this, this sermon series with me. You need to go on this journey with me. And it doesn't sound like a fun journey at first. It's a journey to nowhere. But if we can kind of go on this journey to nowhere together in this book Maybe it can save you some time or save you some hurt or save you some angst. Maybe you'll find the meaning and the purpose you're searching for. Maybe you'll find it in a new place, a place that you never thought, a place that, that, that God has been waiting for all the time. So Lord, give us a boldness to tell those this week that need to hear this message and invite them to be a part of this message next week. Lord, we ask you to do great things in this series. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.